0: power struggles, sibling fighting, constant chaos, solemn nods of solidarity from the parents in the house, am I right? Kristen feels our collective pain, and as a parent empowerment coach, encouragement consultant, ex-Montessori teacher and director, and certified facilitator of positive discipline, she's here to help. While on paper she's got it all, as a would-be know-it-all mom, her journey wasn't always easy, transitioning from a teacher to a parent herself. Today on Thrive, Kristen realistically explains positive discipline and breaks down some best practices based on the latest in neuroscience and child development and her on-the-job training as a mom of three. We also talk about reparenting your own inner child, especially if your upbringing involved a different parenting style than what you're personally implementing today. Kristen helps us focus on your own strengths while figuring this whole mom thing out as you go with tips on proactively parenting instead of constantly feeling like you're just reacting to little people with big feelings. Walk away from today's episode feeling encouraged and empowered as the awesome parent you are. Stay tuned through this conversation. Drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to. And now, welcome Kristen.
1: Hello. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
0: Yay! Uh, We are super excited to have Kristen on the show today. Our last parenting episode we were just talking about was a huge hit, so we knew we had to give the people what they wanted (laughs) and Mm -hmm. share another. So I am so stoked to have you on Thrive. um, For a really quick introduction, Kristen, you're a certified facilitator of Positive Discipline you're an encouragement consultant, you're a parent empowerment coach, all of which are awesome titles. (laughs) You're a Montessori teacher, or you were a Montessori teacher and a director and the assistant head of schools and all of that jazz. But I know you had a bit of a rough journey as a mama getting to those points before you kind of had your big aha moments and kind of changed direction in a lot of ways. So let's backtrack a little before flying forward. Can you introduce yourself and peel back the velvet curtain, so to speak of motherhood to what your reality was like a few years ago before you implemented some changes?
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to. I'd be happy to. So I felt starting off, I was very well prepared for this job of motherhood because I was in Montessori. I was an educator. I worked for 10 years in Montessori school. So that all happened before I had kids. And then I had my daughter and she just pushed every button of mine and she didn't want to wear what I wanted her to wear. And she didn't want to sit in her car seat. Like It just seemed like everything I wanted her to do, it was the exact opposite. And so I was working at a Montessori school at the time consulting and the head of school had said, Oh, have you heard of positive discipline? So I was trained about 11 years ago in positive discipline. And I was like, Oh, this, the tools just resonated with me and my Montessori education. So I went all in and I became a facilitator for teachers and for parents. But what I've learned, it's like one day at a time, it's, um, learning the communication skills, but really understanding child development, understanding what I should really be expecting of, of my kids. And um, I think learning a lot about myself. I remember hearing that when, um, when I first became a mom of like, you're going to grow so much and they are the teachers, right? They teach us. And that was so true. And it took, it was a journey, as you said, like I've been on a journey and Thank goodness I have this growth mindset, but I think the growth mindset came out of the struggles, out of the like, oh, gosh, I should be so good at this. And why am I struggling? And then I started to realize, wait a minute, I'm not the only one struggling. There's other people that have these same challenges. So that made me feel good, too, that I was like not the only one. And I think sometimes as moms, we feel like we're the only one struggling and we're failing. And that's just not the case.
0: I mean, and I think a lot of people can agree with what you just said or can relate to that sense of feeling like, oh, I should I should know what I'm doing. I should be better at this. But like we all are, if you're a parent, at some point you are a first time parent and you don't Mm -hmm. exactly come into the world yourself with this innate understanding of how to raise other human beings. Like it's not something that's just built into our DNA necessarily. Um, So I feel like that's something that we all should give ourselves a bit more grace for because it's not something that is automatic. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right too, where some of our gut reactions might be instead of stepping back and thinking, okay, what i think should be working or what i'm trying clearly isn't working let's reassess i think sometimes a gut reaction instead might be to dig your heels in even more and be like, well, I'm the boss and I'm the grown-up here. Therefore I need to exert mm-hmm. even more control over these little tiny people because they need to get it and they're not listening and whatever. So can you give us a few high notes of what positive discipline actually means and what, because I feel like that's something that those two words might feel like they don't belong in the same sentence for a lot of people, especially for any of us who grew up with a little bit more of like the authoritative parents. Exactly. 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 So positive discipline is based on the work
1: of Alfred Adler and Rudolf Dreikers. And they actually could be thought of as like the founding fathers of positive psychology. Um, And then Jane Nelson and Lynn Lott created a curriculum and a program to teach parents um, this way of, of, of teaching. So discipline comes from the root word disciplina, which really means a follower of truth to teach. And, um, And it's based on this idea. And Rudolf Dreikers found that all human beings have this need for belonging and significance. And I like to think of belonging as unconditional love and significance as a little bit of power and and autonomy over our life. So um, we all have this need, not just children. All human beings have this universal need of belonging and significance. But what he found is when children don't perceive that, they don't perceive that they have this unconditional love, maybe because we raised our voice, maybe because we don't look, you know, we don't have those kind eyes Um, they're going to misbehave and they're going to find a mistaken way to get belonging and significance. So we talk about mistaken goals and it could look like undue attention or misguided power or revenge or assumed inadequacy. And those are the four big mistaken goals. Um, Positive discipline also believes in being kind and firm at the same time. So like you had said, some of us may have been raised by this authoritarian approach. Positive discipline is the authoritative approach. So it's kind, very kind, and very firm. We have boundaries, but the boundaries are maybe spoken beforehand. It's, It's more of a democratic society, not the like, I'm the boss and I said so. And you're the loser. So you're going to do what I say. It's, it's okay. We're working together as a family and we're on this, you know, kind of um, very respectful. So it's, it's also based in um, we're going to treat everybody with dignity and mutual respect. And wouldn't that be nice if everybody could be treated with dignity and mutual respect. And it also is based on teaching life skills and characteristics for good moral character and um, autonomy, and building autonomy, and helping the child through experiences to really uh, form their own um, skills for problem solving, conflict resolution. It's it's really helping the child to think. Um, and sometimes it's not just everything what we say to the child, it's what they then say to themselves. So it's really working on the mindset early on. Um, but those are like the the big overarching—it's kind and firm. It's based on this, you know, perception of belonging and significance, and then treating the children with mutual respect and dignity.
0: Yeah, for yourself, since I know you mentioned having a strong-willed firstborn, I can completely relate to a strong daughter. Uh, what was the biggest moment for you where that kind of led you to thinking, "All right"? Something's got to give, like, I cannot keep this up as is. And then in if, if you were transitioning at all from how maybe you were being with her to a new way of thinking or parenting or teaching, was there, how, how did that transition go? And was that something that mm. you, she responded well to, or maybe noticed or something that, cause I'm sure there was like consistency you needed to have Definitely. then, and like switching some things. Yeah. Walk us through what that looked like and any tips for doing that, because I'm sure the more you talk, the more people might be going like, oh no, I have to make change. Now change is scary. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to, how to do that when there's other people involved yeah. who were familiar with the first, with the, the older mm-hmm. way.
1: Yes. And, and that was the thing. There was just a few little changes that I made and a lot were the internal changes in myself. So another thing with positive discipline, which um I, t- I teach on is this positive discipline house. And if you look at the foundation of the house, the foundation is the personal growth and development of the parent. So first I had a lot of self-awareness of like, oh, I've got some control things going on. And and I teach um kind of this top card type personality test where we learn are we um these four different lifestyles. And you learn so much about yourself, about your parenting partner, about your kids too. And so I do have some control. I don't want to say issues, but I have some control, like tendencies. And so I needed to give her that. So it was giving her choices, not unlimited choices, but do you want to wear this? This, These pairs of pants are these. Or it was, um, so there's the personal growth and development. That's the foundation. The next stage up is building the relationship. So it's all about relationships, relationships, relationships. So I think of it as, Relationship with ourselves, really learning ourselves. Some, you know, and it goes back to our childhood. I talk a lot about reparenting the inner child that comes out. Um, Relationship with our child. And then the relationship with the family. Um, And I remember this as growing up, like in our family, we do this. So it was kind of like, this is what we do. These are the values. These are the morals. And these are the things that are just going to come out in the day to day week by week, year by year. And then the next stage up are the systems and routines. So a huge positive discipline um, tool are routine charts. And it's not a routine chart that you buy on Etsy, or you find something on Pinterest, it's creating a routine chart with your child. And that's giving them the power that's giving them the uh, the boundaries of like, oh, what do we do first when we wake up? What do we do next? What do we do next? You have you you're asking a lot of curiosity questions. You're asking the child to give you ideas. and then you cre- kind of create a chart together. Um, so the routines and systems are are really key to make a household run, you know, smoothly. Um, and then the last piece of the positive discipline house are these tools. And there's like about seventy different positive discipline tools that, I teach throughout the course of all different ages. Like right now, that strong-willed toddler at the time is going to be 14 in two days. So my oldest is 14, almost. And then I have an 11-year-old and I have an eight-year-old. And it changes. You know, they go through different developmental stages. So what I was doing for that three or four-year-old, and I have to say, I'm so happy she's a strong-willed 14-year-old now. I'm so happy she has some of those skills and that confidence now when I really wish she just wore the outfit I wanted to <laughs> you know it would have been a lot easier if she just did what I said but I'm so glad she's not doing what her friends are telling her to you know like I'm glad that she has some of these these things so that's um that's what I look at too is our, our is the foundation of first we have to be right in ourselves with um you know going with our own personal growth and development and then it's the, the relationship focusing on Teaching out of love, you know, disciplining out of love, um, not out of fear. And then the the systems and the routines are really, really important too.
0: For sure. You mentioned um reparenting your own inner child. What does that mean to you? And what does that look like in practice? Because I think a lot of us don't necessarily realize the full extent of this until we become parents ourselves and start really looking inward and analyzing things. And that's if you even get to the point of looking inward Mm -hmm. and analyzing and being that self-aware, but really looking at how we are and why we are the way we are. And then the light bulbs start going off like, Oh, I can see where this might be coming from or why it might need to be addressed. So (laughs) can you kind of flesh that out a little bit more?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. And I think it all starts with this self-awareness and the self-awareness is huge. Um, I I'm taught, trained on a lot of um, cognitive behavioral psychology. So it's this five primary drivers. And if you look at the, um, the first driver is a belief and a lot of these beliefs are sometimes you might've heard them as limiting beliefs um, are formed in childhood. So they're formed in early childhood and it wasn't something that we necessarily came up with. It was maybe our parents or maybe our loved one or somebody who loved us, but they said something. So somehow we came up with this belief and then our beliefs will dictate our thoughts, what we're thinking. And that's the self-awareness is like, wait a minute, what am I thinking that's causing these feelings? So the third um, driver are feelings. So our beliefs dictate our thoughts, which will create these feelings that we have inside. Sometimes they're good feelings and sometimes they're not good feelings. And then that will create our actions, um, which then create our results. And sometimes um, because it might be a limiting belief of, I don't know, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I can't do it. Like that type of belief that will give us certain thoughts of, well, maybe I can't do that. So it's understanding that that belief, because it came from early childhood, it might have been a belief from a six-year-old. Like we made that decision as a six-year-old, but what we need to look at is now we're the grown adult and we have a fully functioning brain, and I'll talk to you a little about the brain afterward, um, is we need to be aware that if that belief isn't serving us any longer we're going to have to make a new decision and it actually was a decision in the beginning that was made for us and as the adult we have to reparent our inner child and reparent some of those beliefs that aren't serving us anymore and let's figure out something that is going to help us to feel better feelings um because you can kind of only have be in two states of being you can either be in this primal state of this like fear, fight, flight response, or you can be in a powerful state where you can think and you can respond to your child. Um, and sometimes our kids trigger certain things or our parenting partner might and, and our brain goes like this and um, we're not able to access our fully functioning prefrontal
0: cortex. So if someone wants to start the process, say they get through and they realize, ooh, there's a belief and that's probably from, you know, elementary school or wherever, Mm -hmm. what's kind of the process for walking through and addressing that so that you can actually truly internalize something different? Because I know there's a big difference for a lot of us between, yep, I logically understand something to be true or untrue versus I truly believe it in my gut and soul and act Mm -hmm. from that place.
1: Yeah. So usually it comes through some coaching and some a lot of curiosity questions. So when I do one on one coaching with parents, we'll we'll think of a a scenario of when it may have happened um, or when they start to feel like the bad feelings. And then through many questions, powerful questions, we come up with the thought like what is the thought that is making you feel this way? Um, if it's not a good feeling, it's not a good thought. And usually the thought is unintelligent. It's just not true. So we need to come up with a more powerful thought, like what is true and what's going to help us to move forward. Um, so it does take the the reparenting and, and that self-confidence to really want to change. And like you had said before, like change is hard change is scary and um but to, to want to change so it's that self awareness of like all right i'm stuck something's not right um i don't feel good and maybe we use the example of like a yell at my kids like i'm i'm yelling at my child and one doesn't feel good two it's making her cry and everybody's a mess after so um where did that come from and maybe we were yelled at as as a kid or maybe we don't feel confident in our parenting skills. So we just like, blah, and we just yell. So you you kind of go back to, all right, what, what could be a better feeling thought? And it's like, I'm learning. I'm learning every day. I'm getting better and better. And I do say like, you know, it's one day at a time. So each morning, it's like, okay, today's a new morning. I'm not going to remember, you know, like, don't worry about what happened yesterday. Today's a new morning. And we have to do that as parents because we have to constantly be on and um, and be 100% for our kids. And we're not going to always be. We're going to make mistakes and we're going to yell and we're going to do all the human things that happen, but how we can respond instead of react. And that is going back to taking care of ourselves, taking care of our own needs, but the thinking is so important. So it's the thoughts. It's like being aware of what the thoughts are that's making us feel that way. And it may seem like it's hard. Like you said, it feels very ingrained. But like, this is just the way it is. And it has been that way for a while. But what we need to do is kind of reprogram your brain to do something different. And it's, it's changed. But it's it's learning. It can happen.
0: For sure. Going back to something you talked about earlier and and about, you know, power struggles, especially in the toddler age, I feel like there really does come an age where those power struggles kind of reign supreme. Um, I mean, funnily enough, our four-year-old came home from preschool one day and she informed us that, quote, there are three bosses in this house, mommy, daddy, and Olivia. End quote. <laughs> so no. I think it's safe to say that many like preschool age parents are pretty familiar with those power tugs of war and that incessant yes. need for control. They're like little dictators. So when you've got that strong willed kiddo with very strong, clear wants and demands. What's your advice for kind of cutting back on the tug of war, making mm-hmm. sure they do know, keeping it democratic, but still also making sure they know that like mm-hmm. mommy and daddy or your parents have the ultimate say, but also still raising them to be strong, empowered kids.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so that's where we want to, them to use their power in productive ways and use their power in constructive ways. So I love, are you familiar with the Montessori approach to education? Not, not super well. Yeah.
0: So, and I, I don't give us the refresh for all of, mm-hmm. all of our listeners. Well, so, so much
1: I'm in Montessori schools and I help parents to kind of do like a little more of the Montessori in the home is helping the child to feel confident through their own experiences and teaching them skills. So it's using this personal power, using this autonomy. Autonomy is a huge skill that a three and a four-year-old, a five-year-old, they, they need that. They I want to do it. I do. I do, right? That's probably what you hear. And we have to give them things that they can do. So that's where like a routine chart is really helpful because it helps the child to do some things on their own. But it's how do you set up the environment at home? so that they can do it. So you kind of create your home. So it's not like, oh, no, you can't touch it. So no, no, no. W- where can you make it accessible? And I think the kitchen is a great place. So you have the little step stool so that she can wash her own hands. And you maybe set up the um, her her plates and her cups in a low cabinet so she can reach it. You have a little spot in the refrigerator, okay, here's Olivia's basket. These are her food. So like, how can we set it up so that the child has more independence um and using that power in 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 that, you know in that way of and I always love doing, um, I really need your help. Oh, Olivia, can you come and help me? I could really use your help. And like I did this last night with my son, um because we're realizing like, since the pandemic, like he goes to turn the TV on right away. And it's like he's, you know, he wants to go on to the screens. And I was, I just kind of laid down the law. I said, today's a no screen day. Um, But I really could use your help. I'm mashing some potatoes. So I had him scrub the potatoes. I had him peel the potatoes with me. We were doing it together. And I kept him busy for 30 minutes. And he just felt so good afterward. It was like a you know, so it's, um, using their power in, in the, in the construct ways, but also giving them choice. Choice works really well with a four-year-old. Um, and then sometimes she'll be like, Nope, I don't want that choice. And so then you could say, no, that's not a choice or they don't have to always be the loser. And you'd be like, all right, well, what's your idea? What are, what are some ideas that you have? I like to say that too. Um, It's usually asking like a what or a how question and that's getting them to think, what do you need on your feet before we go outside? Not go put your shoes on. So another tool we use is asking versus telling. So instead of telling your child what to do, how to do it, when to do it, you can ask um, with a what or a how question.
0: What's so funny is that now, uh, at least for my daughter, one of her catchphrases right now is, I've got an idea. (laughs) So she's really big on having ideas and telling us all of them. And she, God bless her heart, will give us the entire lowdown of how she expects things to go because she's got it all out in her brain. So it's, uh, it's pretty adorable because she's really, she's, she's full of ideas. Apparently they do not end. for
1: her. Yeah. And that's amazing. And that's what you want to keep going, you know, and keep that light, that that going. It's great,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, something that we also talked about in our last parenting episode here, listeners, if you missed it, I think it was episode one twenty six with um Destiny Davis. It was so good. But we talked about the big need for reflection as a parent and really taking that step back after difficult moments or meltdowns, especially to actually assess why something happened if you want to try to prevent that from happening again and that Uh how that's kind of, you can't like teach in the middle of the tantrum, so to speak. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on being a more proactive parent instead of always feeling like you're just reacting to whatever your kids say or do and whatever the heck happens in the circus.
1: Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, So I'd love to start it with, I had mentioned the brain and I love to teach this brain in the palm of your hand because um, I think this will this will tie into it. So this is by Dr. Dan Siegel. And he wrote The Whole Brain Child. And he has a lot of um, excellent parenting books. He's a neuroscientist. And um, I teach this to my kids too. and I teach this in classrooms. So this is your brain in the palm of your hand. So if you look at your palm down, this is the automatic um, bodily functions, your breathing, your heart rate, this is the brain stem. And then if you put your thumb in the middle, this is the amygdala and this is the midbrain. And this is the major radar. Like, what are you gonna do, are you gonna freeze? Or are you gonna fight or are you gonna flight? Um, this is also where our emotions and our memories are stored. And then if you put your fingers down, the back of your hand is the cortex, it's the senses where all the senses come in. And then the, this front fingers, your distal fingertips, this is your prefrontal cortex. And the prefrontal cortex is where that um, executive functioning skills come in, um, emotional regulation, morality, judgment, response flexibility. What am I going to do? Am I just going to respond or am I going to react? So all this, unfortunately, is not fully developed until the age of 25. So sometimes we're expecting our kids to have function that they just don't have. They're going to learn them. They're going to get them. They're going to get them a lot by watching us. So this is the brain. Um, and then what happens is, is we might be having a bad day. You know, maybe we didn't get enough sleep. We had a tough commute to work. Things didn't go well. You get home. The house is a mess. Everybody's coming at you in all different ways. And you're, you literally flip your lid. So your fingertips are up. your, you know, the, the amygdala is showing and It's just our brain. It's our brain functioning and doing what it is supposed to do because that is how our brains are wired. So we as adults need to learn how to do that emotional regulation and take the deep breaths. I do a lot of um, meditation and deep breathing now as a parent of three kids because I have to, because I have to, um, you're able to kind of, I think meditation has helped me a lot to have that space in between responding and reacting. And the self-awareness of like, okay, I'm the fully functioning adult. I have the brain. I have the prefrontal cortex. My child right now doesn't. And another thing that scientists have discovered are these mirror neurons in the brain. So when our brain is flipped and when we're in that primal state, the mirror neurons, our child is going to be like that. Or if the child's brain is flipped and they're having a temper tantrum, it's very easy for us to get emotionally hijacked and get there too. So it's just, you know, really calming ourselves down. You know, we have to be in the, you know, the the proper state to to deal with our kids. And sometimes we have to take a time out. So I think that Timeout is sometimes think of thought of as like a negative way. I know in the American lifestyle, it's like you go to your room and you take a time out. In positive discipline, we call it a positive time out because we know that people do better when they feel better. So what I help my parents to do is first we have to take the time out. So we might need to take a deep breath. I have the um, the bathroom technique works well. Have you ever heard of the bathroom technique? Okay, you just go into the bathroom and you lock the door (laughs) and you go and you lock the door and you take a deep breath and put some water on your face. Just like sometimes you have to get away and that's okay, you know, and like you said in the beginning, like we have to give ourselves grace. We're human. Our brain is going to go this way sometimes. And that's normal. Um, But the other thing that you can do and your daughter is still a little young. I usually recommend this at age like five or six is you help your child to create a positive timeout space. So I did this with my daughter. I think she was probably about four or five. And um, we created this little space in her bedroom. And I'm like, let's create a space that will make you feel good. Um, sometimes your little sister gets into your things and you get all mad. And you want to hit her. And it's not okay to hit. So let's make a space where you can go and just be alone and feel good. So we, we put like a little beanbag chair. We put her her books and a little like these like look and find books like it was all just things that she decided and we put them in her room and that was her peace area we called it and then you have help the child to make up a name for this thing um and it works it doesn't work all the time um but it's an idea and like sometimes with um with parents too we i help the children to come up with maybe four different ideas what's four different ideas that we could do to help you to feel better Cause we all know that people do better when they feel better. Um, and it's, it's just like teaching that language too, to children. It's that emotional intelligence that we know we all need. So helping the, the child to understand their feelings, um, all feelings are, are, are fine. Um, and to understand those feelings and to validate, validating is a big one too. validate the feelings. You know, hmm, you seem pretty angry right now. And that's it. Just, you know, just validating and hmm, the hmm goes a long way.
0: (laughs) For sure. For sure. Well, now, since you have three too, talk to us a little bit about sibling fighting and kind of like the general chaos that can come, especially when you're outnumbered in your home by like a bunch of little humans and none of them have fully developed prefrontal cortexes, especially because as good as it is to, you know, take that bathroom break or take a deep breath or take the time for yourself. I'm sure when you are completely outnumbered logistically, you don't Mm -hmm. necessarily have the luxury of doing that in the moment. So talk to us about that for everyone who's in a similar boat.
1: Yeah. Cause I, I've done a lot of work around this because I also am one of three. Um, I have two other siblings and I have the same dynamic as I have. So it was interesting. And um, when I was doing this in my encouragement consultant training, we really talked about the pros and cons of having siblings. Um, siblings kind of teach you how to fight really well. Siblings can teach you how to how to love really well. You know, like there's a lot of pros and cons with sibling relationships. And I love um, the positive discipline tools. Usually she has different acronyms for it. And this one is like, The four B's. And with sibling rivalry, sometimes they really are just trying to manipulate the parent to get involved. So one of the things, one of the B's, and I might be mixing them all up, but one of the B's is just to bear it. You bear it. You're just there. You hear it. But don't get involved. Don't get involved. Like, see if they can, you know, come up with the the decision themselves. Sometimes there's going to be violence (laughs) or what it looks like it could be. And so you can't bear. So that's when you might want to boot them out. So you kind of like get involved. You say, I see you're both fighting over this toy. Mommy's going to take the toy. You go to the family room and you go to your bedroom, like boot them out or I see you're fighting, go outside and fight, you know, like just boot them out and um, beat it. Beat it is another one where you, um, you leave. You know, you just leave. Don't get involved. And you leave. But the fourth B, which is definitely something that I would recommend doing with younger kids. And I was a, um, in a Montessori classroom. I was a three to six teacher. So I was in that three to six year olds preschool. They're learning social conflict. They're learning how to communicate. So the fourth B is build on it. And how do you um, and usually what we did is we had like a little talking stick or we called it a peace rose. We literally had a, a peace rose. And I do recommend families get like a little talking stick or a peace rose so that the children can learn to go back and forth. So the parent kind of is like sitting there, calming both kids, maybe even having a, a gentle hand on both shoulders and saying, I see you're having a hard time and I want to help you. Um Johnny, you go first. What happened? You tell me what happened. And, and Joey, we're going to just listen. So you're teaching them how to communicate. Uh, Johnny starts. He says, blah, blah, blah. You know, that happened. And then, okay, now let's hear what Joey has to say. And then Joey talks. So you they, you build on it. You let them, you know, kind of solve their own conflicts. It's going to take time. It takes a lot of role modeling. But these are amazing skills for kids to have. So it's, um, you know, it's tricky. I, my kids are not perfect. They are. And I, you know, I usually preface everything with, I'm not the perfect parent. My kids are not perfect. I'm just learning, you know, I, I'm just learning things every day. I'm learning something new, but I have to say it was super sweet. My, um, sixth grader, my middle daughter went off to nature's classroom this morning. So she's gone for three days. And my eight year old son was just crying because he's gonna miss her so much and then my 14 year old like gave her the biggest hug before she left today and it was like oh they love each other (laughs) so sometimes then you know of course like a couple days earlier they were fighting but they love each other so it's kind of all about that
0: I love that Amazing. Well, Kristen, I want to get things wrapped up by asking you something that we ask all guests on the show, which is what does Thrive mean to you? And how do you strive to thrive in your everyday life? By learning. I'm realizing it's all about learning and I'm
1: learning new things every day. And I'll I'll continue to learn. Like Thrive is about, you know, learning something new. And um I'm definitely giving yourself a lot of grace through the process.
0: For sure. For sure. Well, thank you so much for coming on Thrive. I think this has been super helpful for all of the fellow parents or will-be parents among us. Tell everybody where they can find you online to connect with you more, to learn about your coaching and classes and all that good stuff.
1: Yes. So my website is kristenanchor.com. So K-R-I-S-T-E-N-A-N-C-K-E-R.com. And I have a great um, webinar on there that you can watch about becoming an empowered parent and um, a nice little mindset um, shift to make. And I'm on Instagram at kristenanchorcoaching. And I have a free Facebook group too, the Parent Empowerment Group. So I'd be happy to have any of your your listeners um, in our free Facebook group. And I do a lot of quick little um, trainings and it's just a nice supportive community where we're all just, you know, trying our best. Like, and what I had learned, it's like, we're doing the best with the tools we have and we can learn some new tools along the way and try them out. So change can be tricky at times, but it's also really awesome. I think if you're not growing, you're not learning, you know, it's all about learning new things.